Well, uh, friends, our scripture this morning is very easy to find. So if you have your Bible, there's no excuse to not pull it out because you'll be able to get there before I start reading Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We've got a decent chunk of scripture to read through together this morning, so uh, bear with me. Lend me your attention. Lend God's word your attention. Let's receive what he has for us this morning. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land, uh, on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Home stretch, y'all. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Genesis chapter 1. Thank you that uh, even in the beginning, the Holy Spirit of God was resting over the waters. And that same spirit is resting in this room and in our hearts. Help us to open ourselves to what you might have to say to each one of us this morning, Father. Father, please move me aside. Uh, Let no false word pass from my lips, but let it just be you speaking, Lord. Not my will, but yours. Not my word, but yours. To your glory. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Love you, Father. Amen. So... This year at Covenant, our annual theme is released. Released. Released is a triumphant statement of freedom that we have been freed from slavery to sin. We have been freed from the fear of death, and we are no longer captive to either one. You guys don't look like this is good news. This is good news, okay? Crack a smile or something. We are free people. But freedom alone isn't enough. In fact, freedom alone can be destructive. Pope John Paul II said this about freedom. He said, when freedom does not have a purpose, and when it does not wish to know anything about the rule of law engraved in the hearts of men and women, And when it does not listen to the voice of conscience, it turns against humanity and society. We are a free people, but freedom without purpose is chaos. And so each week this summer, uh, we are going to declare our independence from something that was our reality before God in our lives. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to search the scriptures for God's nature and characteristics that he invites us to embody instead. Put more simply, from what have we been freed and for what purpose? You with me? So, uh, we'll start at the beginning. 
a very good place to start. Am I wrong? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, before we continue any further, we have to ask the question, because I'm sure it's rising up in some of your minds even now. How should we approach Genesis chapter 1? Right? Is it fact or is it fiction? Is it history or is it metaphor? And what should we, the people of God, in 2022 in the United States of America be hoping to learn or looking for? What purpose does it serve for us today? These are really good questions. These are the questions we should be asking. And if you're not asking this question, that's okay too. But I want to invite you to look to the brothers and sisters in Christ to your left and to your right and realize that there's a wide array of opinion about Genesis chapter 1, and that's okay. I repeat, they are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We have differences of opinion about Genesis chapter 1, and that's okay. So I'm going to level the playing field for us by continuing with what is not in question about Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is God's word. As such, Genesis chapter 1 has infinite value. And Genesis chapter 1 is full of meaning for you and me in 2022 in the United States. Also, I have no idea if it's fact or fiction. Um, So in order for us to continue together unified, I'm going to invite us to set aside our opinions about the when and the how of Genesis chapter 1, okay? We're going to set aside our opinions about the when and the how of Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to turn our focus solely to the who and the why. You following? Set aside the when and the how. Let's look at the who and the why. We'll start again. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before God speaks, nothing has form. Formless means there is no structure. There are no boundaries. There are no rules. There is no shape. There is no space. There is no time. Before God speaks, existence is formless. Before God speaks, existence is empty. There are no places, no countries, no cities, no nations. There are no mountains or valleys. There are no creatures, bugs, or people. There is no emotion, no thought, no idea. Before God speaks, existence is empty. And this state of formlessness and emptiness can be summed up in one word. Existence was in chaos. Going forward from here in verse 3, the song of creation is divided into seven stanzas. You see, this, uh, this 
piece of scripture is actually a song or a poem, and we can see it because it has rhythm and order. We see they each stanza opens with, and God said, and then we have, God saw, and it was good, and then we have, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day, or the second day, so on and so forth. It was a song, and in ancient culture, this sort of history would be passed down orally. So picture with me for a second. Let's activate our imaginations. You can close your eyes if that helps. You are in ancient history, and you live in either a tent or a cave in the middle of nowhere. Okay, raise your hand if you live in a tent. Not many of you. Raise your hand if you live in a cave. A little more cave. Same with the 9 o'clock. Y'all know there's like bears and snakes in caves. So you live in the middle of nowhere with anywhere from like five to maybe 500 people who are all related to you somehow or another, and it's evening, and you're sitting together around the fire, breaking bread, sharing in the evening meal. And someone jumps up and says, Grandma, tell us a story. And the wizened matriarch stands up from her seat an expectant hush falls over the group, and Grandma begins to chant or sing. This is the way that we would have received Genesis chapter 1 for generations upon generations before it was ever written down by hand. And so we have these seven stanzas, each one representing a day of creation and each day representing that something that God was doing in the chaos of existence. In the first three days, God is dealing with the problem of formlessness. So let's read in verse 3, day 1. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God takes the formlessness of existence, and he puts it within the boundaries of time. Light and dark, day and night, evening and morning, the first day, the first time ever. God places existence within the boundaries of time. In days two and three, God places existence within the boundaries of space, of land, of waters, of sky, and he puts shape to the world we know. In the second set of three days, days four through six, God is dealing with the problem of emptiness. And here's where I give mad props to the author of Genesis chapter one, because each day, days four through six, the author has God taking something that he formed in a prior day and filling it. And each day correlates with the one before. So on day four, God fills the form that he made in day one. On day five, he fills the emptiness of the form he formed on day two. And day six with day three. It's very awesome workmanship, authorship here in Genesis chapter one. So in day four, God fills the emptiness that he formed on day one. Let's read in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. 
and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars, and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. God takes the empty boundaries of time, and he fills them with days, with months, with years, with seasons. God fills the emptiness that he has formed in day four, five, and six. And in days five and six, he fills the empty structures of uh, existence, of sky, of land, of water, of space. And if you're listening to this story around the evening fire... Maybe you're beginning to ask yourself this question. Where am I in the song of creation? Where am I in this story? Did God form my formlessness? Did God fill my emptiness? Did God order my chaos? Did he make me with the same love and intention as he has created the world? And this question is good. This is the author's intent. You see, the song of creation builds upon itself verse by verse, stanza by stanza, into a great climax on day 6, verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Continuing, jumping ahead to verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Church, the crowning glory of God's creation. The ultimate expression of his ordering of chaos is the human race. We are made in his image, in his likeness. That means we reflect the very nature of God. And at this point, you might be asking yourself, well, why did he single out the human race as the one thing to bear his image? Well, it's right here in the text, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, and here's the key phrase, so that, so that, such a small yet huge phrase, so that they may rule. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the creation. We are made to rule with God over the creation, but not just rule in any type of way. We are made in his image. That means we're made to rule in the way that he does. And so at this point, hopefully you're asking yourself the question, am I doing that? Am I doing that? 
Am I ruling in this world with God in the way that he does? Am I fulfilling my God-given purpose to bear his image and be a reflection of him to all the world? And maybe you're looking at your life and thinking, my life doesn't seem to be ruled by me. It seems to be ruling over me. My life seems to be driven by chaos, by hurry, by my schedule, by my money. If that's you, there's good news. Because this text gives us a very clear message of hope for those who are hoping to move from chaos to order. So many of you know that I grew up in a large family. I grew up as the oldest of 10 kids. And uh, chaos, 10 kids, it's possible for those things to be together. Um, And as the oldest, I had a lot of responsibility. Uh, My mom would often leave me to babysit while she would go and run errands or get groceries or something, take one of the kids to the doctor. And when she would leave, she would give me a set of instructions. And these instructions could be summed up in this one sentence. Keep the house in order. Now, I got to brag for a few minutes because there's a couple things that I was really good at. All right. I was really good at making sure all the kids stayed alive. (laughs) And I was really good at making sure the house didn't burn to the ground. But beyond that, eh, not so much. There wasn't much order in the house, all right? You can picture it. I'm talking toys everywhere, chores undone. Maybe the kids got fed, but if they did, there were bowls of half-eaten mac and cheese all over the place, counters not wiped, definitely didn't remember to switch the laundry from the washer to the dryer. You get the picture. Well, here's where the magic happens. You see, my mom would come home, And she would enter the house, and she would begin to speak. And as my mom's presence with us and the words from her mouth would rule over our home, you saw a transformation. What was in chaos turned to order. Dishes made it to the dishwasher. Counters got wiped. Floors were swept. Toys put away, laundry switched, chores finished, chaos turned to order. And it's the same way with God. It's the same way with God. You see, just as the presence and words of my mom in the home turned chaos to order, and in the same way as in the song of creation, the presence and words of God turned chaos into order, when we allow the presence and word of God to rule in our lives, our chaos turns to order. When we allow the presence and word of God in our lives to rule, and that's a very important word, to rule in our lives, our chaos turns to order.
What is it that your life is being ruled by? Is it your schedule? Is it your money and how you want to spend it? Maybe it's your kids or your kids' schedules. Maybe it's your desire to sleep in. Maybe it's your desire to eat a certain way. What is it that's ruling your life? More importantly, what is it that is ruling your heart? When we allow the presence and word of God to rule in our hearts and in our lives, our chaos turns to order. What does this word rule means? It means, not my will be done, but yours, O Lord. Sound familiar? Not my will for my schedule be done, Father, but yours. Not my will for my finances, Father, but yours be done. Not my will for my kids, Father, but yours. Kids, not my will for my parents and how they treat me and allow me to live, but yours. Not my will for my heart, Father, but yours. This is the freedom that's available for all of us from chaos. But freedom all by itself isn't enough. Freedom is just step one. But we have been freed for a purpose, and that's a powerful thing. And that purpose is step two, and for that, we of course turn to Jesus. So if you still have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. As you turn there, Jesus uh, was the embodiment of God. His life on earth was the embodiment of God, the very nature and character of God contained in one human body. That's a, I mean, that's a whole sermon right there, a whole series. And when we accept the invitation of Jesus to follow him, we are agreeing to go on a mission of being with Jesus, of becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did, Right? being with him, becoming like him, and doing what he did. And we have four uh, books in the Bible known as the Gospels where we get to see the very first 12 people who got to practice this, who received this invitation. And so we have this awesome playbook full of mistakes and successes um, that we can see reflected in our own lives quite often. And so at this point in Matthew chapter 10, at this point in Jesus' ministry, uh, he has invited his core team of 12 disciples or apprentices to follow him. Uh, and they have been following him. But at this point, Jesus has done most, if not all, of the work. The disciples go and they watch Jesus as Jesus feeds the hungry. They go and they watch Jesus as Jesus heals the sick. They go and they watch Jesus as Jesus casts out demons. And they go and they watch Jesus as Jesus preaches the gospel that the kingdom of heaven has come. And they watch and they learn. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus invites them to go out on a practice mission. 
their first time going to be like Jesus and do what he did without him. Juicy. So Jesus offers them a set of instructions, and contained in that is something for our time together this morning. Verse 11, Jesus said, As you go, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. And here's the key phrase for us this morning. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Just as God in Genesis chapter 1, by his, the very nature of his presence and his word, takes chaos and puts it in order. And just as Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just by his presence and his word, takes chaos and puts it in order, and just as the disciples were sent out by their presence and their word to take chaos and put it in order, let your peace rest on the home just by your presence, so we too are invited, brothers and sisters, to go on this mission to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did, to go into all the world as agents of order. There is chaos all around us. But we can't be ruled by it. We can't be ruled by it. Brothers and sisters, let us be a people marked by their submission to God's presence and word ruling in our lives. And then let us go forth and be like him and do what he did. For we are image bearers of the Lord Most High. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that we are a free people that we have been released from everything that was our reality before we knew you. But Father, don't let us stay in freedom and abuse the gift you have given us to live as we want to live. Let us surrender to the rule and reign of your presence and your word in our lives. And then let us go let us go and reflect your image, your nature, your character all throughout the world, wherever you send us, Father. Not our will, but yours be done. And Father, as we continue into a time of offering, my request for you is that you would bless the gifts and the givers. Lord, that you would multiply what is offered and use it to bear much fruit in your kingdom. And that you would bless us, the givers, with the freedom felt through giving things away. We love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Amen.